Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Hebrews 4. Well, if you are listening to this podcast, I'm guessing that's part of I would hope a larger part of your life where you are devoted to regularly reading the Bible and praying. In fact, I would encourage you to do those two things every day. Read your Bible and pray every day. I know that's not groundbreaking for you this morning, but it's healthy to understand, well, why? Why should I do that. If you don't understand the why, uh, you're going to be a lot less motivated in than actually going and doing it. And in Hebrews 4 today, we are going to see uh, part of the answer to why. Why should we pray? Why should we read the Bible? And not only will we be informed on why we should do this, we will also learn uh, some things that should influence how we go about doing this, because this passage will speak clearly to the power of God's word, and it will also speak clearly to really the amazing privilege of prayer. But those things are going to come more towards the end of the chapter. Uh, Let's go back to the beginning, and the chapter starts with the word, therefore, which if you've been listening to me, you've heard that old preacher joke. Well, you got to ask, what's the therefore? Therefore. And so we go back to chapter three and even the quote from Psalm 95, and he's talking about people who did not make it into the promised land. And he sums it up in the last verse of chapter three by saying, so we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So the gist of that is people will fall short and they will fall short because of unbelief. And we're going to see in our passage as well, this idea of unbelief is used synonymously with disobedience. So it's a disobedient disbelief in God. So therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. That's another idea that goes back to yesterday. And we talked about that idea. We need to have a concern for ourselves, lest we have an evil, unbelieving heart, and we need to exhort one another every day. So we saw that yesterday, and it's a continuation of that same idea. But then he goes to talk about rest and how it's used in some other ways here. He talks about rest in this sense, going back to the wilderness, talking about the rest of the promised land, that instead of wandering around in the wilderness, the Israelites would know the rest of the promised land in Canaan. But he also talks about the rest of God on the Sabbath day, going back to the creation account uh, and referring to Genesis, where it says, and God rested on the seventh day from all his 
works. So he talks about the rest of the promised land. He talks about the rest of the Sabbath day, but then he makes it clear. But David now in Psalm 95, he's using the word today. So he's talking about a rest that is available today, even though he's reigning as king in the promised land, even though obviously the Sabbath day is still a thing, but he is talking about another kind of rest. What is that talking about? Well, verse eight, for if Joshua had given them rest, Joshua, obviously the one that led the conquest into the promised land, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as from his works as God did from his. So the promised land isn't the ultimate rest. The Sabbath day isn't the ultimate rest. The ultimate rest will ultimately come from, again, with the broader theme of the book, faith in Christ. When we believe in Christ, we rest from our works. And especially in this context, the idea of ceremony and all the tradition, that is what you, that's not what you are hoping for on for your salvation. You are now hoping on Christ and the readers of this letter would have been pressured. No, go back to your old way of living, of trusting in ceremony, trusting in externals instead of trusting in Christ. And he's telling them, no, don't do that. Hold on to Christ. Keep your faith in him strong because he is the one that will give you rest from your works. And he goes on to give them that exhortation then in verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Now, again, there at the end, when it says by the same sort of disobedience, you could basically plug in the word there, unbelief. That's specifically the disobedience that it is talking about. Don't fall short like they did in the wilderness because they didn't have faith. Have faith in Christ, press on and follow him. And that's where the beginning of that verse almost seems like a contradiction. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Don't strive and rest seem like very contradictory terms. But if you've read through the whole Bible, it makes sense. It's going to take striving to fully put your faith in Christ because you're going to constantly be tempted to trust in yourself or to lean on some kind of other understanding instead of to trust wholly in Christ. So we strive to enter the rest uh, that only Christ can give. So that really sets it up. Uh, We are striving to enter the rest that only Christ can can give, and we need to beware of a disobedient unbelief that would cause us to fall short. How do we do that? How do we strive to enter that rest? How do we battle that unbelief uh, that threatens to cause us to fall short? Well, that's where we come back now to the Word of God and prayer. Most of you are familiar with Hebrews 4.12, which says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
Many times, though, that verse is quoted by itself, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's a great verse, but I hope you have a deeper understanding of it now as you've seen it in context. It's this context of a warning about disobedient unbelief that we are given this powerful statement about the Word of God. So why should you read the Bible? Because you need the Bible to battle these temptations towards disobedient disbelief. That's why you should read the Bible. Because you, going back to chapter 3, you need to watch out for an evil, unbelieving heart. What's going to help you do that? The Word of God. It's going to be the thing that helps you battle that unbelief. And it goes on to describe the word, how it sees really into us. It pierces the divisions of soul and spirit of joints and marrows, and it discerns the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And it goes on to say, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Wow. Um, it, it, it sees into us. So not only does it give you why you should read your Bible, you need the Bible to combat this disobedient disbelief. It also gives you a little bit of how you should read the Bible. And I want to encourage you, you should read the Bible with openness. Right? The Bible is going to see into you. Or are you kind of opening yourself up to that? The Bible will see into you whether you open yourself up or not. But the point is, do you see it? Do you see what the Bible is pointing out in you? The the Bible is going to expose your disobedience and unbelief. Are you reading it with an openness to see that? Are you reading the Bible with an openness to be convicted? Are you reading the Bible with an openness to be shown where your faith is weak and where you need to trust God specifically more than you are? These are things you should look for as you read through the Bible. The Bible is not meant to just be an academic exercise. Trust me, there is academic exercise involved. You have to work to know what the text means. But that text and what it means is meant to see right into you. And if you're not thinking about that, you're missing out on a big part of why we should be reading and studying the Bible in the first place. So read the Bible with openness, even today. Be asking yourself, in what way is this showing me that my thoughts, my intentions are not right? And then we go on to prayer in a very powerful uh, passage here to close chapter four. It's going to start shifting a little bit from Jesus being greater than Moses to Jesus being greater than the high priest. Because it says, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. And that idea is very central to the book of Hebrews. Hold fast our confession. Don't go back to your old way of life. Hold fast to this confession of faith in Christ. But then it gives us help. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You're battling disobedience and unbelief. And it's saying you have a great high priest that walked through all of that perfectly and you have access to him, you can go to him with confidence. 
So you start to see, well, why should I pray? Well, because I'm battling disobedience, unbelief, and I need help. That's why. But here it gives you a bit of how you should pray, and that is you should pray with confidence. You should pray with confidence, one, because of the quality of the person you're you're talking to. You have this high priest that understands he's able to help and receive mercy and, and find grace. But also there's this idea that we, we have access now to the throne of grace. So we have this ability to come. I think when I read this passage of the book of Esther, remember how it's nerve wracking uh, with Esther going to the king, because if he doesn't hold forth the golden scepter, off with your head, right? You, you can't approach the king without him raising his golden scepter to you in approval. Well, in Christ, we have the constant approval. We can go to someone way more powerful than the king in Ezra anytime we need help and we can find grace and we can find mercy. So read the Bible with openness. Read the Bible expecting that it will expose you. It will expose your thoughts and your intentions in a good way in a way that will help you battle disobedience and unbelief. And also pray with confidence when you feel like you're struggling with disobedience or unbelief. Pray with confidence that you have a Savior who can help you. And like we've talked about some with prayer, we need to move more of our prayers from God, if this is your will, to God, since this is your will. So based on this passage, we should never go to God and say, God, would you please give me mercy? Would you please give me grace in this situation if it's your will? No, go to God and say, God, look at what you say right here in Hebrews 4. You promise to give mercy. You promise to give grace. So, because I know that's your will, help me right now. So, I hope our time today only gives you more reason to read the Bible and pray every day, but I hope it also helps you understand a little bit more of how you should do that, that you would read the Bible with openness, and that you would pray with confidence. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.